And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Kavanagh. With me, as always, is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing, or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Hello, hello, hello. How's it going? I'm good. Ooh. Just just great. So good to hear your voice again. It's my <laughs> favorite part of the day. The best part of waking up is hearing Justin's voice in your cup. Yes. That, that's it. That's the catchphrase. <laughs> I don't know about all that. People, uh, people get tired of hearing my voice. I'm not going to lie. And I feel bad about that. Yeah, whatever. I'm a, I'm a talker. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm a talker. <laughs> I'm a visual guy myself. So, yeah. But uh, no, it's fine, man. There's nothing wrong with talking. Talking's good. It's good for the soul. We can enjoy talking or not talking all day <laughs> for hours. <laughs> soup. We both like soup. Oh, jeez. I what watched is that Best, from? In Best in Show. Watched yeah, the there you day. go. Okay. I haven't yeah, seen it in go. a long time, but I freaking love that movie. As as a dog lover, I can relate. I think we wrapped Rizzo's presents like two days ago, and she's like, she knows they're for her. Like she can just smell whatever the plastic <laughs> toy is, and she's just like hounding it out. She's like, "This is mine. I want it so bad." <laughs> That's cute. Wish I had a dog that could do that. But uh, yeah, I'm excited, man. We have what two more days till Christmas. Uh, hopefully, I can put this episode out on Christmas Day as a little little treat for for our hundreds of fans. But <laughs> I think it would be all it, five it, of it, them, including <laughs> our parents. Including ourselves. <laughs> did I, did, wait, did I lose you there? Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you just fine. Oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, all of them. But um, yeah, so it's um, it's good though. I'm I'm doing well. Good. Have you been watching anything fun and festive? I man, I don't know. Not not much. I've been pretty busy with work, but um, and I've just been playing the shit out of Ghost of Tsushima because I'm almost done with it. Uh, I just I have like the final mission to go when I go I have to go storm the the castle and I upgraded all my armor. I have the badass uh, Sakai armor, the family clan armor. It's amazing. It's got these like deer elk horn things going on it. And oh, it's so cool. So anyways, I upgraded all that. I got my sword super sharp because, you know, sharp <laughs> sword. That's what you need. Yeah. But put a whetstone in your stocking. So you there you it. go. There you go. And I so I've been playing that a bunch and then I'm uh, waiting on my Xbox Series X. Super excited. It comes on Saturday. But yeah, I can be cool like everyone else. The last Xbox console I owned was a 360, which I still own. But yeah, it's been a good machine. So um, I did watch the movie Big Bully with Rick Moranis and uh, Tom Arnold. And it's OK. It's on stars. I saw it a long time ago when I was a kid. I watched Jingle All the Way. Love that one. Watched Home Alone. The and then Turbo I watched Man <laughs> The Turbo Man. Yeah. <laughs> when he says, it's Turbo time. And then uh, I, I like it a lot. And then I watched Sergeant Bilko. I hadn't seen that movie since I was a kid. And that was also on Stars, And it just kind of popped up. So I decided I wanted to watch it. I love that. Um, uh, what's his name? 
There you go. I always wanted to call. I was going to call him Steve Ernie, but that's not right. (laughs) Ernie Vilka's name. (laughs) Steve Martin. That's who I do. I I love that Steve Martin. So yeah, but that's all I watch. What about you? I haven't really watched a whole lot. Just uh, started binging Seinfeld again. It's been a while and um, been playing a lot of Assassin's Creed Valhalla and I finally beat it last night. So I don't have to play it. Was it 66 for me? Oh, yeah. Shit, man, that's a that's a target work week, man. And like um, (laughs) the the thing is, so like you mentioned Ghost of Tsushima and I looked at my playtime on that and it was 51 hours and I stopped as soon as I beat the game. I like turned Mm. it off. And so I did. And I I took my time on that one, but I never felt like I was bored. Whereas with Assassin's Creed by the 30, 40 hour mark, I was I was done. I was like checked out to where I just wanted to get through it. And Mm. I literally from start to finish, I only focused on the main story, and it still took me 66 goddamn hours, and I am so glad that I never have to play it ever again. <laughs> That's crazy stuff. Yeah, it says I've only done, apparently, 26%. Well, I've only had 26% of the trophies, but yeah, that's crazy. Uh, I don't think it's taken me 50 hours yet, like you said. Maybe I'm not as close to being finished as I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to storm a lot of castles in that. And every time you, you know, the the head guy, the bad Mongol man, he's yeah. never at the castle that you take. So, God damn it. Okay, well, then I already, I already know it's going to be a while. <laughs> yeah, so there's different acts. So it's okay. a multi-act story. So I don't know what act you're in, but. Shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just finishing up act two. I haven't. I, oh, I, yeah, I, you got yeah. you got a lot to go. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Well, then here, here I am, the jackass running around doing all these side missions that there's like no side missions left. Because I have everything upgraded, so I mean, I guess it's going to be a breeze just running through these these acts, I guess. But yeah, holy shit, that's that's bogus. <laughs> yeah, you got some time, dude. Yeah, whatever. Time is my middle name, Zachary Time Rancourt. <laughs> that would work better go. with my name, Justin, Justin Time, <laughs> Justin Cates Cavender, JCC. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. What can you do? Uh, yeah, so I'm glad that's all behind me. The game was beautiful. The gameplay was awesome, but the story was just, uh, it was Drag City, man. And I am glad that it's over as far as yeah. Assassin's Creed goes. Uh, time to move on. Bigger and better things. But uh, are you ready to talk about this week's movie in the spirit yeah. of Christmas? Uh, we did Elf from 2004, directed by John Favreau, who you might know from Iron Man 1 and 2, The Jungle Book, The Lion King, Made Cowboys and Aliens, and of course he was the star of Swingers, which he also wrote, by the way. Fun fact. Uh, this particular movie, Elf, was written by David Berenbaum, who I actually met once. Uh, he came to our school to chat with us about uh, making movies and things. It was in my production class. And it's always funny when people, we had a guest speaker and attendees would always say, what do you, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's trying to break in Hollywood? And he'd be like, don't <laughs> like get lost. Find something else to do. Shit Nerd. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, you figure it's their long work weeks, man. And if you've already like, if you're in the process of starting the family or wanting to start a family, or you want to, you're in a relationship, uh, all that has to be on hold. Your career has to come first in that business. And it's just really, really hard. And you got to have thick skin, people yelling at you, scolding you no matter what. And it's just a it's just a normal thing. It's 14 hour days at least. So if you're used to your 40 hour work weeks, then you got that by like day three. So 
Um, it's just not in the cards if you are a delicate flower. Ooh. Yeah, so good luck with that. But he was a nice man. Uh, I think he also wrote the Haunted Mansion movie, too. He was in the process of writing that when he talked to our class, hmm. which is nice. In fact, he had already sold Elf because he was working for Disney. And when you work for Disney, they hire uh, <laughs> staff writers. And so anything that you come up with while you're working there is their stuff. And so he he had already written Elf before he got the job with Disney, and uh, you know he sold it, and uh, Favreau directed it, right? But um, he couldn't really give any input on it once he had uh, given away the script. Lame. Yeah, I mean it, it is what it is, but I mean a lot of families have made this movie one of their holiday traditions. I mean it's now sixteen years old if you think about it. It's, it's a pretty old movie now. It's crazy where. Time has flown by. And I, I was having a conversation with him in like 2002. So it was maybe 2003. I don't know. But this movie hadn't been made yet. So um, there you go. Anyway, um, the film stars Will Ferrell, James Caan, Mary Steenburgen, Zoe Deschanel, Edward Asner, Bob Newhart, and Faison Love. So there you have that. Delightful little cast. As far as the old Rotten Tomato meter, there goes uh, a whopping 84% from the critics, 79% from the audience. So people do enjoy this motion picture show. There's something to be said about that. Everyone except for Scott Tobias from the AV Club. (laughs) He says, the cast rings laugh out loud David Barenbaum's script as if it were a damp washcloth. But even they have trouble selling frenetic button pushing as the Christmas spirit. Yikes. Uh, let's see who else we got here. Christy Lemire from the Associated Press. She says, sure, Elf feels a little too feel good at the end, but what do you expect? It's a Christmas movie. Anything else would be a cinematic equivalent of finding coal in your stocking. Oh. Uh, Nell Minow she, from uh, Common Sense Media, she actually says, peppy holiday favorite for both kids and parents, which I think is important to remember that this is a kids movie. More so than I think for adults, you know, even just like the snowball fight, how he's cranking his arm like a billion miles an hour. (laughs) Uh, In case you hadn't seen other red flags that this is a kid's movie, I think that is a pretty good visual cue that it's a kid's movie. Uh, The budget was thirty three million dollars. Opening weekend did thirty two million. That was on November 9th, 2003. Yeah. My mom's birthday. Oh, wow. Happy birthday. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. it's also the day halo 2 came out <laughs> i think it was 2004 though <laughs> uh, i need to amend it i'm sorry that we said i wrote elf it came out in 2004 at the beginning and i am wrong it's 2003 i apologize for for my mistake but yes it came out in 2003 Oh, okay, cool. So that's uh, probably why my memory was fuzzy, because I thought I talked to him in 2002. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, was it really two years away from when it came out? So there yeah, you have I, it. I apologize about that. No, that's fine. Um, you know, we will just scold you off the air. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> Elf, 2003. <laughs> there you go. The, uh, cool. uh, gross to the United States, $176 million, and then worldwide, you're looking at a whopping $223 million. That is a commercial success. Oof. They ain't getting none of my money, though. I didn't see that in theaters. <laughs> I just kept on living my life. <laughs> it's normal. 
Yeah. Well, um, on the final day of shooting in New York City, it was just director John Favreau, Will Ferrell, and a cameraman driving around the city looking for locations to shoot. They would jump out and ask pedestrians if they would be willing to be extras for some quick cash, while Farrell paraded around acting like Buddy. Much of the montage when Buddy first arrives in New York City was filmed then, such as when he is getting his shoes shined and jumping between traffic. Several minor traffic accidents occurred when Will Ferrell walked through the Lincoln Tunnel in his costume because people were so surprised and distracted from the drive or from their driving to see him wearing an elf outfit. Huh, I'll be. The scene when Buddy eats different candies and pastries with the spaghetti noodles had to be shot twice because Will Ferrell vomited the first time. That's disgusting. Absolutely yeah. disgusting. <laughs> that is pretty gross. I, I, I didn't like I'm that I'm not a part. fan of when he... Yeah, I didn't either. I think the gum eating and off the rails was gross. Oh. And then the spaghetti and Pop-Tarts and, and chocolate syrup, syrup was pretty and gross. Like <laughs> marshmallows and... Oh. Yeah, that was so gross. Um, the elf Ming-Ming, who appears briefly in the beginning of the film, is played by Peter Billingsley, who starred as Ralphie Parker in the classic holiday film A Christmas Story. Did you know that, Justin? Yeah. When I saw him, I was like, oh, yeah, he is also the uh, the Tony Stark built this in a cave with scraps. He's that guy that uh, oh, yeah, Ob- Obadiah Stane yells at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 think, I think he told me that and I forgot about it until just now. Oh, that's OK. He's a, he's a little you know. me Leon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the apartment in which Buddy's dad lives. Wait, wait, is real the- quick. I think it sure. would be really funny if he had to wear an eye patch in every role that he ever did, like he shot his <laughs> eye out. I think that would just be fucking amazing. <laughs> That would be so cool. He was in um, uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home as well. He played. He reprised his role as that that scientist guy. But that would be so cool if he came back in Spider-Man Three and he wore an eye patch. Whatever, <laughs> <laughs> like, I shut my eye out. Yeah, shut my eye out. Great. It was an icicle that fell from the roof. <laughs> <laughs> I was in my gun, and then an icicle fell. And it was <laughs> Be sure asshole. to drink your oval teen. It's a crummy commercial. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> That's a good. I, I like that movie. Uh, okay. So the apartment in which Buddy's dad lives is the same apartment building, the exterior shot, in which Dana Barrett lived in Ghostbusters. Gozer the Gozerian. <laughs> um, finally, Wanda Sykes was originally slated to play the Gimbal's manager, but backed out at the last minute. She was replaced by Faison Love, who insisted on still wearing the name tag made for Sykes, which is why his tag inexpli- inexplicably says Wanda. <laughs> That's funny. I liked Faison Love. I thought he was hilarious. <laughs> I thought he was very funny. <laughs> the look that he gives Will Ferrell when he's like, oh my God, Santa's coming. It's just like my favorite. And then he just like slowly keeps finishing his sentence. I like, and I like when he goes, um, when he's like, all right, I, they must have sent someone in from corporate or whatever. I'm going to be on channel three on the, on the radio. Code word is Santa's got a brand new bag. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the kind of shit I would do at Target. So I thought it was really fun. Um, okay, synopsis time. So on Christmas Eve, a little boy at an orphanage crawls into Santa's sack and is unwittingly taken back to the North Pole. When the child is discovered at the workshop, the elves name him Buddy after the brand label on his diaper and Papa Elf adopts and raises him. Buddy grows up at the North Pole, believing he is an elf and accepted by the elf community. But due to his human size, he is unable to keep up with the other elves and demoted to the demeaning job of toy testing. Soon, Buddy overhears that he is a human, and Papa Elf explains that Buddy was born to Walter Hobbs and Susan Hell or Susan Wells, and given up for adoption. 
Susan subsequently died, and Walter, who now works as a children's book publisher at the Empire State Building in New York City, is unaware of Buddy's existence. To Buddy's horror, Santa reveals that Walter is on the naughty list due to his selfish and unscrupulous demeanor, but suggests Buddy could help redeem him. Buddy promptly travels to New York and finds his father at work, but even after he mentions Susan Wells, Walter misinterprets him as a dysfunctional Christmas Graham messenger and has him kicked out of the premises. Inspired by a sarcastic remark from a security guard, Buddy heads to a local Gimbel's department store where the manager mistakes him for an employee. At the store's North Pole, he meets Jovi, an unenthusiastic employee with whom he is instantly smitten. After hearing that Santa will be at the store the following day, Buddy jubilantly decorates the North Pole overnight. When Buddy realizes that the Gimbel's Santa is not the real Santa, he unmasks him and causes a wild tumult in the store that lands Buddy in jail. Walter reluctantly bails Buddy out and takes him to a doctor for a DNA test, which confirms that Buddy is in fact his long-lost son. The doctor convinces Walter to take Buddy home to meet his stepmother, Emily, and 12-year-old half-brother, Michael, believing that once he is faced with reality, he will drop the whole elf thing and move on as a regular adult. Walter and Michael are put off by Buddy's strange behavior, but Emily insists that they care for him until he recovers. Michael eventually warms up to Buddy after Buddy defends him from a gang of bullies in a snowball fight, and Michael encourages Buddy to ask Jovi on a date, which she accepts. During the date, the two fall in love and ice skate. Meanwhile, Walter's company is in trouble after the most recent book fails to sell. Walter's boss, Fulton Greenway, lays down a hard deadline for Walter to have a new book ready by Christmas Eve. In desperation, Walter and his team secure a meeting with best-selling children's author Miles Finch. Buddy interrupts the meeting to boast of his newfound love and mistakes Finch, who has dwarfism, for an elf. Buddy unintentionally insults Finch and pesters him into losing his temper. An angered and insulted Finch attacks Buddy and walks out on Walter, who furiously snaps in anger at Buddy for ruining the meeting and harshly disowns him. Heartbroken, Buddy leaves an apology note for Walter, Emily, and Michael on an Etch-A-Sketch and wanders about in the street, lamenting that he does not fit in anywhere. On Christmas Eve, after finding Finch's notebook full of ideas, Walter and his team scramble to create a book to pitch. As Walter prepares to pitch the book to Greenway that evening, Michael, who found Buddy's note, arrives and informs Walter that Buddy is gone. Realizing he was wrong and forced to choose between his job or his family, Walter quits his job and leaves with Michael to find Buddy. As Buddy wanders the streets, he watches Santa's sleigh crash in Central Park, attracting a large crowd. Buddy tracks down Santa, who explains that the sleigh has lost its engine and cannot fly without it because of the lack of Christmas spirit. Buddy finds the engine and is reunited with Walter and Michael. Walter apologizes to Buddy and accepts him as his son. Buddy then takes them to meet Santa, who proves himself to Michael by showing him what he truly wanted for Christmas. Michael takes Santa's list and reads it in front of the television news cameras gathered outside the park, proving that Santa Claus is real. The Central Park Rangers, who have a grudge against Santa for placing them on the naughty list, chase the sleigh as Buddy tries to reattach the engine. Joby leads the crowd and those watching on television, many of whom have had their lives touched by Buddy, in singing Santa Claus is Coming to Town to help raise enough Christmas spirit to fully power the sleigh without the engine for the first time in years. By next Christmas, Buddy became a children's author as he wrote his first book about his life, which became a bestseller that allowed Walter to establish his own publishing company. Buddy has also married Jovi, bringing their newborn daughter Susie to visit Papa Elf so she can also believe in the magic of Christmas. And that's Elf. So... Um, yeah, long synopsis, but, uh, it is what it is. So Justin, when was the first time you saw Elf and what'd you think? 
I don't know. You got my dates all mixed up now. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was it was 2003. Elf came out in 2003, November 9th. It's just his mother's birthday. So I apologize. <laughs> I apologize, sir. Yeah. Oh, November 9th. Two days after Starship Troopers. That was November 7th. But that was 1997. But, you know. But who's counting? Uh, I know. <laughs> I So I saw Elf. I did not see it in the theater. I saw it on like HBO or one of those channels. I saw it on the TV. A year after it came, the following Christmas. Did you like it? I, I, I laughed a couple times, but it's <laughs> certainly not in my must-see list of movies. And like, I like how people. I think it's quotable, but I don't think I necessarily enjoy it like a lot of people do. I mean, is it quotable though? I, I can think of like one or two quotes maybe from it. I don't know. Anytime someone says a quote and I don't know what it's from, I assume it's from Elf. <laughs> I was that way with Ron Burgundy for a while because I it was a, it's a really quotable movie, but I I can't stand the movie. I think it's so stupid. But I after quoting it a thousand times, I find myself liking it, even though it's not even that good. But I just assume if I don't know what the quote's from, it's got to be from Elf. Hmm, fascinating. Um, I first saw it back in, I think the reason I wrote 2004 was because that was when I first saw it. So my mistake, <laughs> um, but I, I saw it at a, an event that we were doing with our leadership class in high school and we watched it in the auditorium. Uh, but I just didn't get it. Everyone was chuckling and I was like, am I wrong for not laughing? <laughs> something, something just didn't work am in I my wrong? brain. <laughs> am I wrong? Am I wrong? Yeah. We're going to I, I, I didn't know what was going on, so I didn't I didn't really I didn't really enjoy it. And then um, honestly, this is the only other time I've seen it. So this is the second viewing that I had just a couple days ago um, and nothing really changed for me. I am so lukewarm on this film. It is just it just exists. That's all it does for me. But I don't know, man. So why did you that, make me watch it then? Because <laughs> I, like I, I like to make you do things because I wanted to give it another chance because I thought it would be smart to do. And I was I wanted to kind of maybe explore a reason why I thought the way I thought. But I did go into it with an open mind and I was really trying to enjoy it and be like, oh, this is so funny. I get the jokes now. But I think <laughs> you, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head, though, is this was this is a kid's movie. It's not there aren't that many adult jokes in it and it's nothing that you really have to be like, oh, okay, I get that now. Whereas a Christmas vacation, there's so many adult jokes in that. Right. And that's not a kid's movie, but it's a, it's a holiday film. So, and I, I think you're absolutely right. This is a kid's movie. I think that's the crux of, of the explanation for, for why I have been so confused on, on why people love this movie so much, but <laughs> Cause you're, cause you're mature. Yeah, there you go. Rated M for mature. But um, <laughs> Justin, so and I know that. Uh, well, I don't want to speak for you, but uh, you're a Will Ferrell fan. Yeah. Yeah, I like him a lot. I think he's very Absolutely. talented. And you just said you, you quote Anchorman all the time. I quote Step Brothers like almost every day. It's something yeah, I, that I do. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> so funny. Robert better not get in my face. <laughs> I'll drop, so I'll drop that, that motherfucker. <laughs> I'm not going to call him dad. Not even if there's a fire. <laughs> oh, I said no salmon. <laughs> but I, yeah, I quote that movie a lot. So, <laughs> so funny. Um, it was Johnny Hopkins and Sloan <laughs> Kettering. They were talking that, that shit up. Shit up. <laughs> That's so awesome. So, um, but yeah, so he's obviously responsible for a ton of ridiculous and quotable lines in comedic film history. Uh, case in point, what we were just talking about. 
He is joined by all the other SNL alum. You got your Dana Carvey's, your Mike Myers, your Tina Fey's, and so on and so forth. Um, Chevy Chase's, all of them. The SNL alum that had just these raucous careers after the show. And usually his comedies are all a blast. I think they're hilarious. They're ridiculous. Minus maybe Holmes and Watson. But his his flat out comedies where he's doing like 80% improv are just so good. Elf is weird, though, to me. Did you laugh at all during during this movie? And and if you did, do you remember specifically what parts and the first time you laughed? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I laughed at the Jack in the Box testing. I thought that, <laughs> that was funny. funny. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like I think that's just hysterical. And then yeah. I laughed when he saw like the world's best cup of coffee, and he like runs <laughs> in. He's like, "Congratulations!" I thought he that was funny. It. Yeah. Um, and I laughed at, "Oh my God, it's Santa!" And he like. Out. Oh my god, when Face on Love announces that Santa will be there tomorrow, I think that's hysterical. Um, and then I really like um the Miles Finch character. I I, I think he's hysterical. Yeah, I think I think Pistol Pete nails it when he's like uh he's like, no tomatoes. Tomatoes yeah. are vulnerable. Kids are already <laughs> vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> And then he's like, and no farms. Everyone's pushing small town rural. A farm book would just be white noise. I think that's fucking hysterical. Yeah, yeah. The village of asparagus who are self-conscious because their pee smells. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I think that is hysterical. I I absolutely love that. But um, I think that's probably the extent of my laughing. (laughs) But they're all really good laughs. So, yeah. I mean, I made my face hurt. So, I mean, that's good. Really? Yeah. That's surprising. You know, I'm actually laughing more talking about it with you. See? Ron Burgundy's the same way. It's funny to quote, but it's not good. <laughs> well, and you're right. I mean, because it, it is kind of a weird, splotchy movie, but it's just so quotable. Like Sex Panther, you know, 70% of the time it works <laughs> <Right>. every time. <laughs> and uh, like all that kind of shit, we can we can quote that for days, but um, it, it, it's better when you say it with friends. And I think that can go for a lot of movies, but for this one, I just, I, I couldn't get into it. And so, I, I mean, I, I actually wrote the time down, but at 16 minutes in when Santa's like explaining about New York and he says... Now, there's a whole lot of raised pizzas out there, but uh, and they all claim to be the best, but the best one's on 11th. And I thought that was kind of funny because that's basically what any person who lives in a city is going to say. They're like, I don't know. Don't go to this coffee shop. This is the original. So I like that. Uh, the one when, and this is all, a lot of this is based off of just Will Ferrell and his improv, but when he's in the elevator with a guy and he's like, oh, I'm getting off at this floor. It was, it was nice talking to you. And then he's like, oh, I forgot to give you a hug <laughs> as it goes right, up. Right, I thought right. that was really funny. I thought when he when he went to the, the mall, Gimbal's or whatever, and she's like, fruit spray? He's like, oh, I love fruit spray. And he sprays his face and he just, ah, ah. <laughs> yeah. his, his, his face was really funny. Sure. Um, the escalator's funny too when he doesn't want to get on. He's scared. Yeah. Of that's like a. It reminds me of like a dog. There's a video right. of a of a puppet dog, and it's it's really sad. He doesn't want to get on the escalator. That really big ass dog that the guy's got yeah. to carry. Yeah, yeah it, it was cute though. Then um, I like when he said, "You're not Santa. You smell like beef and cheese." I thought that was out of left field, so I really enjoyed that. Uh, the cotton ball scene when he was eating the cotton ball scene, I thought that was funny. Kyle Gass pretty much was hilarious, and same with Andy. Um, what's his name? Andy Richter. I thought they were funny in this and yeah. their small parts. Um, 
then I really liked at the end when Santa was like, back off, slick, step away from the deer. <laughs> when he didn't know <laughs> Buddy was walking up on him. So he got a tire iron. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was about it. But I, again, none of these made my face hurt. I was just, I kind of laughed. And I was like, oh, okay. So, um, you know, one yeah, thing I, I don't get is like, if these elves are like master craftsmen and so awesome at building toys, why can't they just make fucking furniture to accommodate Buddy's size? <laughs> Like, why can't they just fucking make a bigger desk and a bigger house? I mean, they they build shit all day long. Inexcusable. I'm gonna write. I'm gonna write to my congressman and find out why, Justin. Just for you. That's gonna be my Christmas present. Just for you for next year. It makes like <laughs> zero sense. <laughs> once once conventions are a thing, I'm gonna go find Favreau, and everyone's gonna be asking about Mandalorian, and I'm gonna go in Elf. Um, why didn't they make the furniture just for his size? <laughs> Honestly, it's one fucking desk. It's one bed. Give me a break. It's not hard. You make the 10 million toys a year. You can fucking make a bed or a desk. It's too many etch sketches, man. <laughs> They're too busy. They got a quota. So. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, the majority of this film, you know, it takes place in New York City. And New York City is kind of a character in this film. Just like uh, L.A. being a character in movies and Chicago being a character in movies and and Bangkok Dangerous with Bangkok being, a, being one of those. So, um there's it, it's really really great when you visit new york for the first time and you've been in new york justin a few different times yeah yeah it's always nighttime <laughs> <laughs> because i'm always inside during the day and like inside like a convention center or something yeah. and then when i go out it's always fucking dark so i only know my way around in the nighttime <laughs> in the day yeah. it's a whole nother city i have no idea what's going on well so Throughout throughout a bunch of different films, we've seen arrival montages to cities like New York City, where someone walks in and it's like, dun, 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 and you see you see the main character. They're kind of exploring around. They see what's going on. You get a real feel for the city if you've never been there. Um, I personally really enjoy these. But can you think of any other shows or films that show good? I'm just going to call them arrival montages for NYC or for any other big city. Uh, yeah. So I think in Home Alone 2, when he's riding around in the car service and Darling Love songs playing um, All Alone on Christmas and it's him taking in all the sights. I think that's probably my favorite. Okay. Uh, he had already arrived, but it was him actually going out and exploring. So that's probably my favorite New York montage. Do you know any other ones? Can you think of any other ones? Uh, well, no. <laughs> it, it doesn't. So it doesn't have to be New York because I was thinking about that after I wrote it. I'm like, dang, this is kind of hard. But I, I agree with you. Home Alone 2 is a good one. So I and I always like I was like Vegas arrival video montages. Yeah. Those are my favorite. All the blinking lights and casinos and cars and the strip and. Um, anything that's Las Vegas with cool music playing, whether it be like Ocean's Eleven or uh, Casino, I always think it's just, or like even, uh, what's the Hunter S. Thompson one? Oh, if you're in Fear and Loathing, yeah. yeah, just like any kind of like Vegas Strip vibe, I think is always really cool, and I I feel like I get that even when I'm driving into Vegas, and so it's always a fun feeling. All of a sudden, Elvis just starts playing on your radio sure, for some reason. Sure. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but one of my yeah. favorite shots is always just seeing the Statue of Liberty, especially from the water. I always think that mm -hmm. looks really cool. Uh, just one of those things that so many people have seen. Like, that's their first shot of New York City. And I think that would just be, like, so inspiring. 
I mean, it's like one of the most iconic buildings or statues, I should say. Never in, seen in, it. Been in New York three times, and I've never mm-hmm. even seen the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> I've never been there, but I've been out to the water, and like I could, you know, look at it with a naked eye, and I'm like, it's kind of small. I mean, if you unless you go out to Ellis Island, but I feel like that's just such a tourist trap as it is. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's still it's still pretty cool to see. It's a lot smaller than you you would imagine. It's not the size that matters, though. I tell you, but well, uh, what, on the inside, <laughs> there you go. What about the movie Big? And that's more when, so when Josh is Big. an adult. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, there's a couple of moments, but there's a lot of times where they're just kind of cruising around looking for the Zoltar machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's kind of the part when he's in the limo with the lady mm-hmm. and um, I'm watching a thing <laughs> with the lady and uh, <laughs> where they're through like the, the moonroof and everything. Um, but yeah, I thought about Big, but I couldn't really place it as uh as good as home alone 2 i think that's home true. alone 2 knocks down the park with new york city that's true uh this isn't new york but ferris bueller's day off i would say you know when they spend chicago, the day yeah. in chicago that's a pretty awesome montage and they do a lot on that day way too much to actually be believable they're going to a baseball game they're going to an art museum they're going and having dinner at the sausage king place they're dancing in a, par- in a parade I they have lunch i think they have lunch at the oh at the sausage place or he's the sausage king of Chicago or whatever. Yeah. 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 Uh, another one too. And this was New York with Borat. What'd you think of Borat's uh, exploration scene? Oh yeah. That's a good one, I guess. When he poops at Trump tower. I think that was yeah. funny. I really enjoyed that because that was something we hadn't seen before because that was the real guerrilla filmmaking where you had shock and awe from people and they, you know, they had no idea what was going on. And so in, in, in the Borat sequel, he, he couldn't do that because people were like, oh, hey, you know, my wife, very nice. All that kind of right. stuff. Yeah, you only get to do that once. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that was a pretty memorable moment. Um, another one I wrote was Hot Fuzz. And that was more him exploring the town and being like, where the fuck am I? Where everyone just kind of knows him. Sergeant Engel. <laughs> and, um, thought that was cool. Then uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, and in, in that, you don't really get a character exploration one, but you get a cool intro of Detroit and and kind of like the slums of Detroit. Um, it's, it's real gritty. It looks like it's pretty authentic footage from what I see, but like 80s Detroit. Is yeah. that one ring a bell? Yeah. You yeah, know that one. yeah. Yeah. And the little kids on the, on that <laughs> that little big wheel type thing just cruising yeah. around on the sidewalk and yep. kids are playing in with the fire hydrants and stuff and. This mm-hmm. looks like there's a lot of unemployment. Uh, the 80s was rough in that neck of the woods. I know. It's crazy times, man. There's a lot of poverty there. So it was cool that they focused that movie in Detroit, though, too, because I can't think mm-hmm. of that. And then movie. when he comes to L.A., too, you know, he's like cruising like Rodeo Drive. And you see what his perception of what California is, which I think is pretty great. And just all these rich people doing rich people things and dressing their dog up and wearing like leg warmers and big hair and looking stupid. And I don't know. I just love it. (laughs) But I'm sorry. I interpreted the question as uh, arrivals for New York City. So all I came up with was Home Alone 2. I apologize. No worries. I should have worded it better. I am just not doing well with my documents. I apologize. I got all these fat fingers playing too many video games. But anyways, we'll, we'll move on. So the music in Elf is pretty great. Uh, you know, it has what Christmas means to me. Santa Claus is coming to town and let it snow, amongst other things. 
Now, the exception to the good music is the rendition and the focus of Baby It's Cold Outside, a highly, um, lack of a better term, rapey song that suggests someone keeping someone inside, even though she tells you no. Uh, yeah, you can't you can't be doing that. If someone's like, I got to go, they're like, OK, cool. I'll walk you to your car. That's it. That's the end of the song. Now, aside from her singing Baby It's Cold Outside, Christmas music in general are some of my favorite tunes. I love to sing them. I'm singing them all the damn time, and it's awesome. I don't know if you really love Christmas music or not, but what are your favorite Christmas songs? And do you have uh, favorite renditions of those songs? So I know you like the Darlene Love, but do you like any other renditions of it? She's my Um, fave. Like, uh, Baby, Please Come Home? Yeah, that's my favorite. And then, I, think, uh, uh, I think Snow Patrol might have covered that, or a band like Snow Patrol. <laughs> and it I was feel like good. I could a quick Google search could find it. And then, yeah. uh, what are what are some of the worst Christmas songs in your? I fucking hate Santa Baby. That is my least favorite song ever of all time. Santa Baby. I, I would rather <laughs> listen to Grandma Got Ran Over by a Reindeer ten million <laughs> times than listening to Santa Baby once. I fucking hate it. Ran over my reindeer. Ah, <laughs> uh, just I hate it. I hate it so much. And then, mm-hmm. um, I think I like, um, you know, the the Jingle Bell Rock one. That's also like in Home Alone when when the McAllisters are supposedly in France, but fucking Michael Jordan stopped by on riding a choo choo train and stuff. I think that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. I like. Uh, what's the one in the airport when they're running? Run, run, Rudolph. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a yeah, good one. That one's good. And then I like it when the Polka Kings of the Midwest are playing in their van. <laughs> <laughs> polka, Polka. Weird some mention uh. the 80s. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you say you could help me? <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. Yeah. Mark over there is with a beard. <laughs> it's in the same vibe as the Moose out front should have told you. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty great. I fucking love John Candy. Um, oh, and then I like like Feliz Navidad. I mean, that's always a fun one. Um, Prospero Año y Felicidad. Yeah, good choice. Good. Yeah, it's hard for me not to sing that one. It's hard for me not to sing pretty much any of the ones you just you said. But I agree with you that Santa Baby is just a little weird. And then you've there's been renditions of it when it's gotten really sexual, and I'm like, uh, just like sing it cheesy like Cindy Lauper did. But right. I don't know. I've heard some. I've heard some weird ones for it. I mean, I personally, you you know my favorite Christmas song. What is it? I have no idea. What? Dude, I sing it all the time. It's Wham! Last Christmas. It is the oh, best yeah. Christmas I, song I ever. forgot about that one. It's amazing. And then I will also accept uh, Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCartney and Wings. Love, take me down to the river. <laughs> That's not a Wings song. No one sure it is. <laughs> uh, that one's really good. Um, I really like... Uh, what Christmas Means to Me by Stevie Wonder. I don't know if he did the original, but I'm pretty sure he did. That one's really good. But inversely, the worst Christmas song, I actually heard it the other day, and it was the very first time I heard it, and it like made my ears bleed. The, the flames, the flames <laughs> in the ears. So it was Jessica Simpson's cover of What Christmas Means to Me. It was so boring. She had no range and it felt like somebody was trying to karaoke it and they were like mediocre at it, but they were the best singer in their hometown. And, and that's that's it. Basically, I was I was really upset. It ruined one of my favorite songs. So, um, yeah, I don't like that. And then I also don't like Little Drummer Boy. I've never liked Little Drummer. Boy. 
I only that's like a, it when Angela sings. Angela's it. Fair. <laughs> no. And then Dwight going bum 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 bum. It's the only time that's the only time I I will like it. Otherwise, I think it's really weird. I'm not think, It might have been Death Camp for Cutie that that covered um uh, baby please come home please come home Christmas. yeah it was, it was what did i say snow patrol yeah it was yeah. death cab for cutie same thing with the snow coming down this is a good one darling that was great um yeah so i mean i i love christmas music and i it's it's crazy i put i put stuff on all the time in my house and i'll just jam out to whatever but i really enjoy like let it snow ones. i guess like the yeah, die hard sure. two end of the movie let it snow always reminds me of die hard two whenever i hear it yeah. That's what it always reminds me of. I like the Jackson 5 one too. What is that one? I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. I like that one. I did. I and I'm going to tell my dad. <laughs> He's going to beat your ass. <laughs> That's, there you go. He don't fuck around. That guy's mean. He's abusive. Uh, Joe? Um, is his name Joe? Yeah, Joe. And I don't really listen to the Christmas music. I'm not... Uh, I'm not doing it i heard this one i don't even know what it's called this is so weird it was this christmas song on the radio and it was about this little boy who wanted to get his mother a new pair of shoes before she died what i swear to god and he goes to the store and he's able i don't even know if he can afford them but he manages to get them somehow i don't think he's i don't think he shoplifts i think it's like a hey in the spirit of christmas i'm gonna give you these shoes and then he gets them home to his mama and then she dies and wow. I, I know it's hardcore and uh, at least that's the way I remember it. And I, I was sitting, I was in the car. I was, I'm just driving along, driving along. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I just start crying, listening to this song. I'm like, what the hell is happening in these, this Christmas? I don't want to cry right now. And, uh, I have no idea what it was called. I just remember it was about a little boy trying to get some shoes for his mom. That's weird. I've never heard that song. But way to bring down the mood, <laughs> Christmas radio. Jeez. That's yeah. crazy. It's brutal. I've never heard well, that. I have to Google it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this movie, it's like we were saying before. This is this is the crux of what we'll get at. Uh, it's beloved by many people. I, I, we know so many people that revere this as, as the favorite Christmas movie. Justin. I think this is so highly overrated. If you didn't gather that uh, already, I just think it is so overrated. I felt it was mediocre, um, and I was chuckling from here and there, but mostly counting down the minutes until it was over. Why is this movie loved by so many people? Am I the one who's crazy, or are they crazy? I just I think you were at the wrong age when you watched it, maybe? I don't know. I, was uh, I think if 17? you were a kid... Yeah, I think if you were a kid, you would probably love it to death. Um, really? Yeah, I just think that it's one of those ones where if you just saw it at the right time in your life, then you would enjoy it. I guess I mean, I I don't think it's like amazing. I mean, like I watch it every couple of years, but it's definitely not, uh, you know, my go to. I I would be 100 percent okay never watching this movie again, but I don't think it's like terrible. It's just not really my cup of tea. Yeah, I think you're right with the whole generational thing. Because our friend Carly, she's substantially younger than us, but she loves this movie. And I remember she was like, good luck finding your dad, buddy. And I thought that was funny when the narwhal said it because I remembered Carly saying it. So I laughed at that because of that. Because <laughs> I, I, I saw it vicariously through Carly, but sure. I did not laugh 
when I first saw it, I remember. And I think I was with a group of people, so I was forced to laugh, basically. Sure. But so I think like if you let's just say that you were a parent watching it with your kids and you saw how much joy they were getting from it, then it might have an impact on you as well. But that's true. I, I know that as a ripe 23-year-old, I was not... I think, okay, I take that back. I was 24 when I saw it. So I wasn't really into it, but it was, it was okay. I mean, I, again, I don't, I don't hate the movie. I just think that there are a lot better Christmas movies out there than this one. Young 23-year-old Justin was like, hey, I'm Jim. Want to listen to some records? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do like records. There you go. Well, yeah. and I think, I think that's a really good point, though, that it's a kid's movie and like we, I was just talking about Sergeant Bilko and that movie I saw when I was a kid and I thought it was hilarious, but I didn't get a lot of the jokes. So when I rewatched it uh, just the other day, I still thought it was funny and I'm like, oh, now I get the jokes. But it just reminded me of being a child. So then I watched I also watched Big Bully and I, that came out around the same time. And that movie is is far from spectacular, but I really enjoyed watching it because it just reminded me of of those moments. And I laughed more in Big Bully than I did an elf, but that was because I had a, um, I had a history with it, I should say. So I think you're right. It's, it's, it's how you're exposed to the movie. And if, if I had children and and if they found joy in this film, I would laugh too. Cause I would be like, Oh, that's so great that they think it's funny. And it's funny when kids find stupid things hilarious. That's why I'm great with kids. Cause I'm stupid and they just laugh at me. I'm like Krusty the clown to them. Basically. <laughs> More like sideshow. Bob. Yes, I show Bob. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't try to kill people. Yeah. <laughs> Murder, you say? Murder. One of the director trademarks, uh so Favreau, he's wonderful, right? And I really enjoy director trademarks in films, but uh sometimes cameos, they can be viewed as self-centered and overdone, where a director puts themselves in almost every production. I know Tarantino does this a bunch. Scorsese did it for a little bit, but uh, he's not really in it anymore. Uh, Favreau did this in, uh, in in a lot of his films, and he was in this one. He played a doctor. It wasn't a prominent role, but he had a, he had a role, a speaking role. Did you like that he put himself in this movie? And do you like that he kind of does that for other things? Like in The Mandalorian, he voices some different characters and such. And then in Iron Man, he obviously plays Happy Hogan. But I don't know. Did you do you like that, or do you think he's kind of being self centered? Uh, I don't, it doesn't bother me at all. I think a director can do whatever they want and be in the movie if they want, have a role, take a star in it for all I care. It doesn't bother me. Ooh. What if this movie did star him as an elf? Not the elf, but in elf. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I just, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Um, I I, I personally like John Favreau. I really enjoy his his movies, his acting. Um, Been a fan for a long time. And, uh, the more I see him, the happier I am. So <laughs> did you I ever have... see? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, did you see four Christmases with him? In I it? love that movie. Flip the the movie's so fucking funny. Yeah. Flip the, flip the tube. <laughs> yeah every time uh, Bobby and Will and I and, and Alex play uh, taboo, we always say that flip the tube <laughs> as he's eating chicken wings. <laughs> How many was that? Seven. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, love that. Now that's a really good Christmas movie. I I fucking love Four Christmases. I think it's so funny. I even like Fred Claus too. I guess I like Vince Vaughn too. I don't like Fred Claus very much. 
I like in, in Four Christmases, $20 limit, and he buys him an Xbox. <laughs> what, does, what does Tim McGraw get him? He gets him like a shovel or something. <laughs> That's so stupid. He, he's like, do you even love me? He just takes off all his clothes out. and <laughs> runs outside. I like when they, the kids uh, slide tackle him and he's like, Google me, bitch. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> oh, my God. Robert Duvall's like, I didn't want a satellite. Yeah. What am I going to do with this satellite? It's a satellite dish. <laughs> oh my god! And then um, uh, the lady that's in it that's making like those bologna that bologna casserole thing. That's mm-hmm. that's John Favreau's wife. I forget mm-hmm. her name, but she was also in like Eastbound and Down. She was yeah. Kenny Powers' girlfriend. Yeah, I think she is so funny and beautiful. She cracks me up. She's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked her in Eastbound and Down quite a bit. So, yeah, interesting. It doesn't really bother me as much either, but I just thought it'd be kind of fun to ask. Maybe you'd have been like, I hated it so much. I think it's fun. And like um, even like uh, Kathy Mixon is her name, by the way, or Katie Mixon. I'm sorry, Uh, Katie Mixon. Uh, She is hysterical. But as far as like cameos go, no, it doesn't bother me. You're right. Tarantino's in a lot of his and um, Alfred Hitchcock for crying out loud. He had he had was really cameos because he would just be like at a bus stop or something. You're just in the background and it was hard to see some, a lot of times people have to point it out. Otherwise you'd miss it. So mm-hmm. I, I do think that that's uh, a bit cooler, you know, just to kind of have a little bit more uh, mystery and it'd be more of an Easter egg as opposed to a speaking role. But I certainly have no problem with it when it right. comes to uh Favreau or Tarantino or any director for that matter. Like Peter Jackson did it in The Lord of the Rings where he's just a random Viking or, you know, it's a two seconds blink and you'll miss it kind of thing. Right. I feel like he's also that that chubby orc that's running down the steps at the end of Fellowship. It's running all slow. The music's all playing like the Horn of Gondor is going off and and uh, like the the music kicks into gear. And then the the one Odokai is like. Find the halfling. Oh, Find the halfling. And then it it's like a helicopter shot, and it's like showing all the orcs running. And then there's one that's got like both of his arms at his sides, and he's he's just like <laughs> going down the steps so slow. <laughs> and I would not be surprised if that was uh, Pistol Pete. Yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome if it was though. Maybe I have to yeah. look at it again. Maybe yeah. since I got that 4K, I can do it. But now you can spot it in 4K. Yeah, and those are those are long movies. But uh, speaking of length, this movie's not a long movie. This movie comes in at a runtime of one hour and thirty six minutes, which, in my opinion, is a perfect amount of time for a comedic film. Now, your buddy there, Judd Apatow, he he likes doing these two hour plus comedies. Forty year old virgin was really long. Uh, what was that one with Seth Rogen, where he was like a baby knocked daddy? Up. Knocked yeah, up was one, really that long. Like five hours. That movie's so long. You know, why is it good or bad to have a comedy about the one and a half hour mark? Why is it good or bad? And then, like, what's the perfect length for you? That's what she said. Yeah, I think I think 90 minutes is right on the money, man. That's that's kind of my favorite. That's one that you can just put on, not pay attention, and it's over. Or if you are forced to pay attention, it's only 90 minutes, so you can do it. Um, there was this, did you ever see the movie Walking Tall with The Rock? Yeah, I like that movie. Oh, he's got like that two by four. You know why I like that movie? It's 86 minutes long with credits. Oh, shit. It is a quick movie. <laughs> <laughs> there is no time to fuck around in, in Walking Tall. He's like, I'm, I'm in town. I got there's some gambling. And then I got my two by four. I'm going to kick some ass and then credits. It is yeah. a fast movie. Love it. I like and that movie. So I'm just, 
I don't want to dilly dally. Now, of course, there are the movies that are the three hour ones, like your your Lord of the Rings or Casino, for that matter, since I love it so much. Um, but they keep me engaged. Comedy, I think, is just one of those ones where you want to just tell your joke and then get the hell out of town. Like like George Costanza, like, that's it for me, after he says his amazing one-liner, and then he leaves the room. And I think that that's, that's a good thing. Whereas with the, the Judd Apatow films, I think that I start to get a little restless after like a hundred and or an hour and 40 minutes. Then I'm like, fuck, this movie's almost over whatever. Let's do this. Uh, And I think what it, it's a problem because it turned uh, like a good movie into an okay movie or a great movie into a good movie. You know, it kind of loses something when I think it's just too long and they could have cut stuff out. Right. And it's kind of like, you know, stay in your lane or pick a lane, I should say. Are you making a comedy or do you want a dramedy? Like, what what are you trying to make this? And when in Apatow films, how it goes from uh, like funny people, movie funny people, it's all over the place, man. There's funny moments, but it's just kind of all over the place. And I actually compare it to stand up comedy. This is a hot take. I am not a fan of stand up comedy. I like maybe the first 15 minutes of it. And then I like bits and pieces of it. It is so hard for me to laugh for an hour long straight. It's, I don't know. I mean, there are exceptions. I really love Dave Chappelle, but I feel like I force myself to laugh at certain moments. And it's better when people, when we touch base on it and we, we come back to, Oh, remember that joke like this? And we just say it. It's like, okay, that's funny. But I don't know. Sometimes I just I can't get into stand up comedy. I might be crazy, but uh, I just yeah, I lose focus on that. Sure. I don't really like stand up on my TV, but I love going to comedy clubs. Right. I I usually go to like like five shows a year at least. I think that's more what I meant. I mean, like watching stand up comedy. And that's another reason why I don't like funny people is because it's just a lot of stand up comedy stuff. And it was kind of weird but i do yeah i've seen some uh stand-up comedy live excuse me and i really enjoyed that i thought it was funny and i think that there were little moments that were because i mean these people are improving things too so um a lot of their jokes are written you know like they they created them but then they they have uh improv moments that are so great so i agree but watching like the specials on netflix and, and everything like kevin hart i mean he's funny but i just can't i can't get behind him i'm if someone's like, do you want to watch something? I'm not like, yeah, let's put on Kevin Hart or something. It's not me, man. It's not what I do. So I, uh, I, I think a lot of the time the, with the script having poor writing, um, that that's probably a reason why Apatow films are so long. I mean, and here I am just some schlub saying that I don't like the writers for his movies. I just think you need to be able to, you need to be able to trim it up a little bit, make it lean and and get it down under two hours. There's really no reason why a film should be over two hours nowadays. I mean, sure. a comedy so like, film, comedy film. like 40 year old version. There's, there's a couple versions out there. There's like a 112 minute cut. And then, which is probably the theatrical release. Right. And then there's also a uh, 133 minute unrated version. <laughs> that's a long, that's, that's so a long, long comedy. Oh my God. <laughs> that's a journey. It's a funny movie, but at a certain point, I'm just like, fuck, I gotta go to the bathroom. I gotta, I gotta get on with my life. <laughs> gotta kind of do stuff, you know? I don't want to go anywhere, but I don't want to watch this anymore either. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Jesus. So that, I mean, that's what I mean. And I think, I, I don't understand why 
like it's cool you know like he's a director it's his film i'm just again i'm just some schlub who's just talking about this but to me that's a, a really big turnoff if, if a, a movie's super long like that and so like again bilko and big bully the ones i watched uh the other day those are each like an hour and a half and i'm like perfect I can let it play. That's like three episodes of The Office, right? That's that's three episodes of a TV show. So I feel like an hour and a half is sexier than committing two hours to something. But what can you do? Um, all right. So, yeah. So, you know, many, many Christmas films like Home Alone, Jingle All the Way, Bad Santa, and Santa with Muscles, starring Hulk Hogan, they utilize the motif of uh, using kind of a typecast actor. So, like, all those actors were either the main guys in those Christmas movies were, were either action stars or serious dramatic actors. Um, but they they cast them in these holiday films and put them in a comedic setting. So it's kind of a completely different thing. So in this example, James Caan, who's a typical mobster, tough guy, you know, Sonny Corleone, he plays this coarse yet heartwarming dad. Did, did he work in this role for you? Uh, yeah, I think so. I didn't have a problem with it. Do you, could you think of anybody else maybe that could have played him? Um, no. <laughs> what about what, what about what about De Niro? What about De Niro? Yeah, but he's all he's done funny stuff too. Um, when did he do funny so, stuff so, before two thousand and three? Though. Yeah, he did like that Rocky and Bullwinkle thing. <laughs> Was that even funny? <laughs> I mean, it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I I don't know. Maybe like a Gene. Well, Gene Hackman's really funny though, man. He is funny. Uh, and he's been in. Some he's, he would have been too old, probably at that point. But well, James Conn was it, James Conn was in his late fifties or in his yeah his mid fifties, I think, or late fifties in this movie. And so, guy was born in nineteen forty. So, uh, what about Richard Dreyfus? I wrote that one. He would have been in his sixties. Um, Richard Dreyfus, yeah, but he's uh, he's kind of a funny guy, though. So he is funny. hard. Martin Sheen. Yeah, that could probably work. I like but I mean, I like I like James Conn because he kind of has like this New York vibe about him. You know, he is a tough, hardened dude. Um, so I think it, I think it worked. It's hard for me. It's always hard for me to find other actors that could have done the role. I'm terrible at that. I could never be a casting director. <laughs> Take off your clothes. Is that what casting directors do? I don't know. <laughs> I, can't, I can't comment or speculate on the matter. Yeah. The, the Don't Be Crazy podcast is not, is not in the business of rumors or speculation. Yeah. <laughs> Disclaimer. Uh, I, I like him. I'm trying to think of other James Caan. I, he was in Mickey Blue Eyes. That was a funny movie. Yeah. He, a, he didn't a play a comedian, part. though. No, but he, he had like funny moments. He wasn't like super yeah. comedian. Yeah. That's kind of it, though. He hasn't really been in anything elsewhere it's been funny he was an eraser he was the bad guy in the movie eraser oh yeah i forgot about that movie i like the movie uh liam neeson probably would have been cool or Ooh. um uh what the fuck like clint eastwood <laughs> clint eastwood would have been really funny just because he's so mean <laughs> <laughs> get off my lawn all yeah. that kind of stuff chuck norris i don't know chuck norris would have been good <laughs> Uh, but well, Liam Neeson, he's cool. I think the so the, the transition for certain actors. I mean, Arnold is a really good example. He was this action star, and then he jumped to all these comedies, and he did a really good job in these comedies. I think he's so funny in Jingle All the Way and Twins, and God, what else? Even True Lies, he's funny in too. I know it's an action movie, but he's hilarious in it. So I think I think that's what I mean is 
it's interesting. And Joe Pesci, for example, like he goes from in the same year as doing Home Alone, he did Goodfellas. He, he's this menacing, crazy dude. And then he goes to a funny comedic band. Did you ever see the super? Where no. Joe What's Pesci, that? he's the, he's a superintendent of a building and his dad gave him the building uh, as a gift. So he's basically he's like a slumlord because in their mind, when you, what do you do when you, when you have a piece of property? Nothing. That's like their, their family motto. And so they own buildings all over New York and he owns this, this particular building now it was given to him for his birthday and he just goes around and collects the rent and he doesn't fix the lighting or the heating and it's a winter time and everyone's cold and uh the judge sentences him to live in the building and he has 30 days to renovate otherwise he will go to jail and um he becomes you know part of the community and he really starts to love and respect the, his tenants and it's a really funny movie check it out I don't know when or how you could ever watch it. It's in that weird era of the nineties where stuff's just not available. On just digital. all disappeared. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's a really fucking funny movie. And uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. And uh, he's so funny in that. Maybe Tommy Lee Jones. I don't know if you said his name, but he would have probably been a good, Ooh, a yeah. good person to be the dad. Tommy Lee Jones would have been a good one. He did a really good job in men in black of being a serious guy, but he's still really funny too. Yeah. And that was before this movie, so that would have been that would have been nice. Sure. You can buy it on Amazon for four dollars. The super, the super. Oh my god, that's a steal! It is so funny. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's Cavender funny, so <laughs> not everyone's gonna. Like it. Well, that means then we would have to talk about it, and then I would laugh at the things that you laugh at because I'm oh like, okay, god. I I find it funny now. <laughs> I think it's hysterical. <laughs> It's like a, like a truck, you know. See, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so um, I mean, that's all I really have on on Elf. I, it's just I was struggling to find stuff. Um, do you have any final thoughts? And like, what's your letter grade for this? I would give I would give Elf a C plus. Ooh, <laughs> but I mean that's a, that's around the range of what you were saying, where you're like, yeah, I've seen it a couple or i've seen it like you know once every couple of years and then i don't need to necessarily see it again so that makes sense yeah. and that goes for your for your grading for for me i think it's got to be like a d i i just really don't need to see this movie again i was kind of bored when i was watching it i i don't know and i i don't i don't ever so my time is my really phone. valuable and if you're gonna keep picking movies that you don't like hey 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 I wanted to give it another chance and because I, I had a conversation with some friends and they're like, oh, no, dude, it's so funny. It's like infinitely quotable and all these and it's Will Ferrell like it's Will Ferrell. So and I was thinking about that the whole time and I was really trying to be like, all right, just just pump the brakes. You do like Will Ferrell a lot. Um, and it just didn't work. I mean, shit, I think he was funnier in as D'Angelo from The Office than oh, he was D'Angelo as Buddy. The, I know, me too. Yeah. Every, every time I see a hawk, I say, I saw a hawk today. <laughs> saw a hawk today. <laughs> I think that's so funny. <laughs> it doesn't even apply to anything, but I just like saying it. So hawk today. I've been good. I deserve this. <laughs> I'd kick for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. So yeah, it's a D for me, man. Um, but yes, can I uh, can I give you some rapid fire? Uh, you know, because it's Christmas and not everyone listened to our show from last year. We did. We we covered these, but I wanted to give some rapid fire questions to you. Sure. But no cool. tomatoes. Tomatoes are too vulnerable. 
I laughed Kids so hard. Are already vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Dinklage is great in that. He's so good. He almost steals the movie and he's in it for like five minutes. Dinklage is amazing. Oh my god. Yeah, he's pretty great. What is it? He's like, he's like, uh, hey, Jack Weed. <laughs> yeah. Something like I that. I get more action in a week than you've had in your entire life. <laughs> I like when he's like, have a car there by this or whatever, and have the temperature 71 degrees. 71 degrees. <laughs> and he's like, I'm not coming. And they're like, ah, shit, whatever. And he's like, all right, I'll be there. <laughs> he's still on yeah. the line. He's like, don't put me on hold. Don't put me on hold. He's like, yeah. I don't hold. <laughs> yeah, it was like an S-Class or Sadie's or something. I forget. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, so are you are you ready for rapid fire? Uh, yeah. Okay, Christmas candy. Favorite Christmas candy? Ooh, Rolos. Uh, are they the ones <laughs> shaped like the bells, like the holiday bells? I know, just regular ones. I just want a big bag, and I like to make a giant wad of foil after I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll eat the whole fucking thing too. I'll oh have like God. the softball size foil <laughs> when I'm done. Does your mouth hurt? No. Oh I man, got, I got big gums. <laughs> You can broil it, barbecue it, saute it. I I, I don't know if it's Christmas candy, but yeah, I would say rolls. And I like to get yeah, I like to get a Tootsie Roll bank too in my stocking. I don't put any coins in said bank. I just dump it all out and just eat the shit out of the Tootsie Rolls. I mean, anything can be Christmas candy if you're brave enough. So I think that for for me, I would probably say Reese's uh, trees. You know, the little trees; those are delicious. But what about a favorite Christmas drink? I don't have. No water, <laughs> Do you like water. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm drinking some now, but so I don't. I don't have a Christmas drink. I really like eggnog, and you cut it with Seven uh, Up, and then you sprinkle a little cinnamon on on it, or some nutmeg. Apparently, a lot of people do not like eggnog, but I, I think it's delicious. Yeah, no I think it's delicious, and it's, it's chicken it's water, punchy man. chicken water. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> I like that, or I like hot butter rum. I think hot butter rum is delicious with real rum. But uh, yeah, what's your favorite Christmas meal? I don't have. <laughs> what do you I eat on Christmas same. Day? <laughs> <laughs> Veggie patty and rice? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I, except oh, my boy. rice is... It's, <laughs> pilaf? It's spruced up a little bit. Yeah, it's pilaf. It's better. <laughs> You added a little yeah. spritz of, uh, of of mint to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. And like, so yeah, it's usually like the pilaf there, the mashed potatoes, <laughs> same oh. as Thanksgiving. And then I do like the the Hawaiian rolls and Jesus. <laughs> poor, poor a lot Alex. Of pie. A lot of pie, you know, good oh, stuff. Pie's good. There you go. Well, then there's your Christmas meal, the pie. I love me a good Christmas pie. Uh, I would probably say for me, so I really, I like a traditional, you know, like a holiday ham meal. Um, but since I don't eat meat anymore, I haven't had the holiday ham in, in a while, but, um, I think a fun tradition that I would like to start with my kids when I get them is doing tacos on Christmas. I think that'd be really fun. Or we could do like enchiladas and we could have green and red enchiladas, like with the red and green sauce. I think that would be fun. But uh, anything Mexican theme would be nice. We could sing Feliz Navidad the entire time, too. <laughs> Salsa Verde. Yeah, there you go. Wait. Um, <laughs> sure. By the way, we're terrible at rapid fire. <laughs> oh, I don't give a shit. It's it's fun. Who cares? This is, we, these are my we, favorite we parts of the episode. Ex, we always have explanations <laughs> for Who our cares, rapid fire man? answers. Rapid slow. Hey, these these are these are still quicker than Judd Apatow's films. So there you, there you go. go. <laughs> and we're we're laughing more than his films too. Oh, what? roasted. He's a, very, he's a funny guy. Ah, uh, okay. We're, I'm laughing more than Elf, anyways. But uh, what's your favorite Christmas tradition? 
if you have, have one. You don't I have like one? to open all my shit on Christmas Eve, but people always stop me from doing it, and I really, <laughs> really like it. Do you it mean Alex like, stops you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Any, anyone in my family? We had this thing where we would open our presents from family on Christmas Eve and then mm-hmm. Santa presents on Christmas Day. Oh, so then okay. even, even this year, I was like, I was like, let's open presents. She's like, it's not time. I'm like, well, we can wait till Christmas Eve, I guess. She goes, what about Christmas? I'm like, well, Christmas Eve, I can open the presents from you. And then on Christmas Day, I can open the ones from Santa. <laughs> and she was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, Santa, man. Double play, Jackass. Yeah. Double play, Jackass. He's like, what? <laughs> it's like a bunt. <laughs> That's a funny movie. Uh, my one, so I'm the same way. So like, well, what we do though, growing up, is we would open one present. We'd we'd get to pick one present on Christmas Eve night, and we get to open that, and then the rest we wake up really early because Santa comes and drops off everything for us. He's like, here you go, little you little shits, and then we open everything else up. But we save our stockings for Christmas night, and our stockings were great because uh, they would be filled with candy and like nail clippers and playing cards and just weird dumb shit that, that you don't need. Yeah, I like a and, toothbrush in my stocking. Yeah, I always had a so toothbrush. Funny. Who doesn't I like, who a, doesn't like a toothbrush? I know. I get a scratcher, and a, so my 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 is this a question about what do you like in your stocking? Or no? Sure. Yeah, why not? It's Christmas tradition, man. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't want to jump ahead. I'm sorry. I don't have the notes. Oh, no, no, no. I don't have one of those, but let's, uh, oh, okay. let's, let's talk so about it. So I always like a Tootsie Roll bank, and I always want a toothbrush, <laughs> and I always like to have a lottery scratcher. I never win. I've never won a, in 40 years of existence. <laughs> I have never won anything from a lottery scratcher. What if you do, though? What if this is the year? So I got one from my mom, and I didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was suspenseful. Thanks for that. I know. I suck. <laughs> I am the worst. Like I never win anything. And um, one time I won a t-shirt that was a size small, which didn't work for me. But <laughs> I won. I'm a winner. It was the big winner tonight. Justin's there you winner. go. There you but go. Uh, yeah, so that's stuff that I like to get is, is Tootsie Roll Bank there and the scratcher and, and a toothbrush. Very good. Would you like to start any new traditions or have you read about any fun traditions that you'd like to do? I don't think so. I'm not really a traditional guy. I like to mix it up. Ooh, and by here. definition, that doesn't that doesn't shake really work. And bake. <laughs> yeah. You shake it, then you bake it. I have like a new fun. name now. It's the magic man. <laughs> uh what is your all-time favorite Christmas gift or gifts you've ever received? Oh man, my favorite gift ever was I, an elephant. I got I got to sponsor an elephant. Her name is Inkesha, and she is adorable. And her little trunk was caught in a snare, and it was almost severed, and they kind of had to reattach it. And now she still has like this huge gnarly hole in her trunk, but it doesn't slow her down. And just getting like monthly updates on her, and I have a really great photo of her. And uh, she's in Kenya. She's at the the Sheldrake Trust, and it's 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 amazing. Follow them on the Instagram. And uh, I absolutely love it. And so um, I've had I've been sponsoring her for like three years now. It was an awesome gift from Alex. And I just I started crying as soon as I got it. I always wanted an elephant. And now I have one. Oh, that's great. Best gift ever. Well, now I don't feel like I should say mine. Because it's not like <laughs> You're like a TurboGrafx-16. <laughs> yeah. <with> no games. <laughs> a Red Rider BB gun. <laughs> and this uh, thing that tells time. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> with a compass and this thing that tells time. Uh, no, mine is a Nintendo 64. Uh, when I had the original OG Nintendo 64, my brother and I had to share it. And I just cannot tell you how elated I was to play the video games. I loved it so much. It was incredible. I still own it to this day, Justin. I still own it to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty crazy. So, and I, I didn't shoot my too. shoot my eye out. So I have two of them actually, and they still work. <laughs> it's crazy ingenuity, man. Those those eight bit graph, not even eight bit, sixteen bit graphics. I think what? Six, well, sixty four. Sixty four. <laughs> I'm 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 stupid. So. Oh, no. <laughs> That's why I'm not on the pixelated podcast. I would just be like, it was a good game. You should go play it. <laughs> <laughs> what is uh, what's your favorite ornament that you own? man i have so i have this one that says baby's first christmas and i just i hung it up the other day and i was like man this fucking thing's 40 years old that's so crazy um that is one of my favorite ornaments i had this like little nutcracker one too where you pull the string and hit his uh, mouth and his arms and legs would just kind of flail about (laughs) it was kind of silly but i always liked that one too and then i had this other one where it was this. It was Santa with a big old bag on his shoulder, and and he had a hippopotamus. And you press the button, and it sang the song, "I want a hippopotamus for Christmas, <laughs> and a hippopotamus will do." And uh, that was that one became my favorite. That's cool. See, I don't have any old ornaments. I mean, I when I was a kid, I think we had a bunch, but I've only been collecting ornaments since I started working at target and I got that fake tree. So I've only been doing it for about four years now, but I think my favorite one is probably the Marty, the moose glass from Christmas vacation. The one when, oh, yeah. when cousin Eddie is, <laughs> can I refill your glass eggnog? Try to take you out to the middle of nowhere. Leave you for dead. <laughs> when he touches that thing yeah. and it all falls apart, I think it's the funniest fucking thing in the world. Oh yeah. God. And then Clark tries to fix it and he's just like, <laughs> Oh man. man. Okay, and then final one for a rapid fire. (laughs) What is (laughs) what is the best TV or film Santa Claus that you've seen? Like the person playing the Santa Claus. TV or film Santa Claus. Man. Um so I think I think Scott Calvin's a pretty good one. Yeah, uh Tim Allen. I think that's a good Sandy Claus. Um and there was this <laughs> there was this movie in the eighties called the Santa Claus movie where it, <laughs> it starred Dudley Moore of all people. And um that Santa was really good. I don't remember who it was, but I, I know that convinced. movie. Yeah. And isn't there like a, a kid who is watching some other kids eat kid. at eat at McDonald's and yeah. like and they're eating fish sandwiches and he's just Yeah, I remember that part. John, that John part goes in it. Oh yeah. Um David Huddleston is Santa. Okay. Uh, you know him. He's the he's the he's the big Lebowski. <laughs> oh. He plays Santa. I really did like Ed Asner, the one who played Elf. Holy shit, oh, yeah. he's been he's been Santa in one, two, three, four, four different movies. All who different. Has? Uh Ed, Ed Asner. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's a great he's a great Santa. Um, I liked Richard Attenborough uh, on Miracle on 34th Street. He was also always bad, no expense. I think that's it. Charles Durning was Santa Claus a, a bunch of different times. That's pretty cool. I like Charles Durning. So anyhow, um, yeah, that's all I got, man. That was a uh, that was fun and festive. Are you can I are you ready to go home? <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. All I right. I'm talking about the elf movie. <laughs> it's 
it's still shorter than uh, all of Judd Apatow's movies. But anyways, <laughs> well, ho, ho, ho. Thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Remember to please follow us on Twitter, if you have Twitter, at dbcrazypod, uh, at edgyarmo, and at zachdale60, where you can share your thoughts with us, and we will discuss them on our show. We love the interaction. We love talking to y'all. Keep it up. And, you know, heck, you can even tell us what movie you think we should watch for our next episode. We love uh, suggestions. Click the suggestions box. Please also be sure to check out the Geek Legacy podcast with David, Randy, and Justin. Really fun show. Stand-up guys. Uptown all the way. As well as the Pixelated podcast with Stephen K. James. They talk about the video games, and it's fun. From our family to yours, happy holidays, stay safe, wear a mask, and enjoy the final stretch of 2020. All that we ask is please don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much.